let's do this. This. This is a restless workshop. Welcome to a restless workshop. We haven't done one of these for a long time, but we just did our episode on there's no such thing as a virtual church where we took some hard stands. We're taking the bullets with Jonathan Lehman a year out. And I just wanted to talk to Pastor Michael about a few kind of interesting takes on this we've seen from different pastors and just kind of compare these kind of this these points of view that people have taken. So the first one is one of the reasons I found this article from Lehman so strange is when John MacArthur and his elders published an article sometime in the summer of 2020 and said, it's time, even if we're in civil disobedience to gather for the church, we need to gather. This is what worship is for, right? John MacArthur and, and his elders, right? They take the full, they took the full steam ahead of approach. And Lehman the next day published an article and published a, a kind of clarification. And his point was that, uh, I'm, again, I'm going to try and explain it, you know, as I think he would promote it, right? He said that John MacArthur's stance that it was time that this kind of civil disobedience was the path to faithfulness was actually uh, too strong of a statement. It limited people's Christian liberty to what could be other versions of faithfulness. And that, that there were other legitimate ways to continue uh, the ministry of the church and to gather. And that, and that MacArthur's elders, right, that you shouldn't necessarily run out and open your church when MacArthur did. And so I just found that interesting because I think that there's a sense where it could feel like Lehman is kind of contradicting himself, though I don't think he necessarily is. So you're saying uh, contradiction between the what he's published, what, what he's published now in August, and what he this view he was kind of presenting earlier. Yeah. So now he's saying there's no such thing as virtual church. Uh, before he was saying it's not right um, how MacArthur's going about it, or there can be valid ways to disagree with it. And, and I will say I I checked the article to just to just for my own for my own knowledge. He doesn't recommend virtual church, right? He recommends maybe some kind of a small group format, right? Can you meet? Are there outdoor, right? Are there those kinds of venues that would follow the uh, guidance of your, you know, whatever county or state, you know, guidelines you would have? Yeah. If I remember, I could be wrong about this. You know, I'm sorry if I am wrong and I'm thinking of somebody else. I do believe that Jonathan Lehman at the same time he said this was fine going and marching in a Black Lives Matter parade, um, which is a very large group of people. So I, I actually think if, if Jonathan Lehman was actually contradicting himself, I actually think it was probably those two things that maybe yeah, the church. I mean, that's what sounds like a contradiction to me. Yeah, um, I don't. But what I actually think is really interesting about MacArthur's point is the question I want to answer the principal question, the pastoral question of was it the time for civil disobedience? Well, I actually think it's a very interesting question. But the, the, the ultimate question, if we go back to our regulative principle, is the question isn't, should is this time for us to stand up and obey? It's, well, did God command us to meet in person in some format? And so then if the only thing that's preventing us is state action, then probably it is time to disobey because we must obey God rather than men, right? If there are concerns, right, there, there are a million things that could have factored into elders' decisions to meet or not meet, 
good of their people, maturity of their people, seriousness of the spread in your area, you know, all those concerns, discussion, even, and I'm not even saying you shouldn't discuss things with your county health board, the state health board, you shouldn't listen to their advice. But I'm saying that if, if the question was, well, we're not going to meet because the state says we shouldn't, then the answer is yes, you do civilly disobey that because, and again, that doesn't mean you right in, in places where like in China, where they're not allowed to meet, right? This doesn't mean they don't, they don't post a blog post and trumpet out their meeting. They just meet quietly. They meet under the table. Right. And so that's what I think is a, is an important point. I think when Lehman published that previous article, the point that was missed is not, should we civilly disobey or not? The question is in John MacArthur and, and the body of Grace Community Church elders, are they saying, we are doing what we be- we are doing what we believe the scripture teaches we must do as the church right and then if the state is opposed to that well then that isn't that could cause cost you and in ironic in a, a ironic turn of events recently grace community church was awarded a huge lawsuit for the state action pursuit against them for leaving yeah so, so one of the things i was going to say is you know um one of the difficulties of the conversation right now and the places that a lot of this breaks down is that there are different things that are assumed by both sides or whatever sides there are. I don't know that there's just two. I think there's probably a whole lot of different you know, perspectives and sides on what the church should do, shouldn't do, what they should have done, shouldn't have done. Um, but you do still even have the open question of whether or not you know, what is going on is civil disobedience, right? So there's, right. A, there's a question in the civil realm itself, um, what the government has the authority to do within our body politic, within our, you know, uh, way of governance, um, whether or not a church meeting, even when a he- local health official says they shouldn't is actually any kind of civil disobedience at all, um, is I think an open question. I would probably lean toward it. A lot of the time it's not, sometimes it might be, I don't know. Um, but just that the structure of our given political system is not one that says, Every single person with a government ID has authority over everyone else. And so there's at least, you know, there's at least play and and debate and question. And, you know, we could go way more into detail about that. Um, So that's that was an open question. Um, But then, yeah, what what does it look like to meet? I think that's a valid idea, even from Lehman, that, hey, just because, you know, just because you are uh, not able to meet as a large group doesn't mean that there's not some way that you can meet in in smaller groups or something to that effect. We did for a time, by the way, we shut down as a church for a while. Um, And I'm not saying we bring up, you know, what my church has done a lot. We're not saying that we did the best job. I, you know, I, I think there, you know, might be people who think, oh, you could have done better. You could have done things different. And, uh, and so, you know, no doubt there are things that we could have done better. Um, we're not holding us up as like an example because we think everything we did was perfect. Um, it's just that this is what we did. <laughs> so right, I, right. so I have an inside view of what one particular church did and that's all I'm bringing to you. But what we did is we shut down for a time. After a bit, we started to meet together uh, again in uh, two services. So we just did two services so that we just limited the amount of people that were coming yet. And so that was another thing that we tried to do uh, for a time in order to try to balance ourselves as both you know, adhering to the guidelines coming down from the government and the health officials and listening to that while at the same time seeking to meet together um, actually physically in the same place. Yeah. And I do think it is it, it, in this case, it's important to bring up examples from our real life so that we're, it's not like we're trying to paint like either us as heroes or everyone as a bad guy, right? That they're, that I, what I like about the example from your church, our church pastor, Michael, is that it showed 
there are people who think, who probably thought and would think talking to you, you were too risky. And there were people who would say you, you didn't take enough, right? Or there would be people who say you didn't take a strong enough stand, right? And, and that that is likely the case for every church, right? There are people who are going to say about John MacArthur, why weren't you doing that from the first Sunday? Yep. Right. And, oh, Jonathan Lehman, you were gathering in small groups, right? Like people are going to condemn people on all of these things. And this is, I, I do think this is a point, this is an important point about the civil disobedience that you made. That is a real question, right? Be- because when Grace Community Church, when they tried to find them criminally for what they were doing, the court system said, no, you can't. And right. then the awarded court them system money. said they actually were fine in what they were doing. They were not doing something that was illegal. And this also happened to Capitol Hill Baptist Church, Mark Devers Church in D.C. And so what we're saying is that the this is why the when the, the Romans 13 argument is more difficult than we often think, right? Pastor Michael and I aren't constantly saying you should, you, you actually, you can't disobey whatever, what Romans 13 teaches. But the question is, in the case of Grace Community Church or Capitol Hill Baptist, is what the court said is the people trying to enforce these things on these churches were the lawless ones. And here's a ton of money from them because of what they did. Yeah. And what's interesting. So this is another thing that I'd say just in, you know, this is more of a meta perspective. Um, You know, when we deal with the particular instances in our day and we're looking at, you know, so we're looking at Jonathan Lehman, his response, Mark Dever, his response, John MacArthur, his response, and these different churches responses. Um, Something that can be true is that you can have things that you think are right and things that you think are wrong about each one of these, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's not necessarily inconsistent. You don't have to pick. Uh, we, we're in an increasingly tribalized society. And I don't think that you can fully get away from that. I think we're people of our time. Uh, I think we're, you know, I mean, we are at a time when tribalism is inevitably going to ramp up because of the cultural uh, issues at play. Um, and so uh, it's, it's not as though you can completely abstract yourself from this reality we're physical embodied beings at this time in this place. And so uh, certain things are going to happen to us in the way we think. Uh, but one thing that you can get, if you just look at church history, for instance, you read church history and there are many uh, figures in church history that God used to uh, in tremendous ways, build his kingdom that you and I would sit back and say, Oh man, like what a mess, like what a horrible mess that guy was. Um, and there are situations and, you know, phenomena that take place throughout history that we think, oh, this was not good. It was not right. It wasn't handled well. And yet we look back now and we can, you know, make some of these people heroes. Uh, we can make some of them, some of these events, uh, out to be, you know, tremendous blessings in the, uh, you know, kind of movement of God around the world. And, uh, so when we look even today at, you know, particular figures and their stands, I think we should try to hold ourselves back from just jumping in and saying one is right and one is wrong necessarily. I'm well, I don't really think that I think that we can make pronouncements. We can say, yep, I think this one's right. While also having at the same time, uh, an understanding that the movement of the kingdom of God through time and space is something that does not happen always as we think it should. It doesn't align with, you know, our ideals, a lot of the time. Um, and that 
that very fact should at least give us some humility in how we approach hmm. these things. You know, it should give us some humility in how we approach them. Um, and also, one of the things that's happening right now, just culturally in America too, is that there's this idea that uh, we can have one prescribed method of doing things that should fit all, all of us. Right. So this is just a cultural fact, but I think it happens in the church too. We assume that, you know, every church should look the exact same as my church because mm. we do it this way. And that's, uh, I think that's a false assumption for one. I think that uh, misses the drastic difference in cultures uh, from one place to another. It misses yeah. the drastic difference in the culture of, say, La Crosse, Wisconsin, and wherever in California, John MacArthur's church is. I don't even know. Um, is he in Los Angeles? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there is a significant difference between our cultures. I, from where I live, like if I hear anything from somebody in a place of, you know, governing authority in Los Angeles, I'm going to be skeptical. If I'm honest, um, I just am going to be naturally skeptical um, that I don't feel the same way about some of the, you know, governing authorities in La Crosse, Wisconsin. I think some of the health officials, for instance, in uh, La Crosse were not pushing necessarily their own personal agenda, but seemed to be, you know, pretty even handed about things and tried to make some fair balances about the importance of still being able to meet, say, in a religious organization, while at the same time trying to, you know, protect ourselves from this particular virus. And so, um, you know, like some of that, I'm like, okay, like, you can't always make the best pronouncement for someone across the country just because you would do it a different way. Now, there's some things that you can have clarity on because they're you know specifically revealed by God. We just did a whole episode on why you should be meeting that virtual church is not church. Okay, so there's certain things, and especially you know uh, depending on how you work them out, that are just true no matter what at all times in all places. Uh, but there are ways that this does get nuanced. I know I'm, I'm going to have to do a NUMA video or something. Huh? Yep. Uh, but there are ways that you do have to nuance it when you start saying, okay, each of us has to do it exactly the same across this entire world or across the entire landscape uh, of this particular society and culture um, that it just breaks down which, after a while. Which is actually another argument for why you need a physical presence in a physical local That's right. church. That's right. Uh, I do, I do agree. And I think that let's go to actually one more pastoral application, which is Mark Dever, the OG of, of good ideas about the church for new Calvinists himself. So when the pandemic began, and I, I know they carried this on for a while, this might've changed. And then obviously they started meeting earlier than most of the other churches, which is why they had a suit filed against them. Their elders wrote a letter and they decided that what they would do to close is they would close the church. There would be no live stream or anything. And so I just want to read a few things Mark Dever said on Twitter to people who were asking about this. Because what a what a thing Twitter is. We can we can ask these big name pastors, hey, why are you doing this? And sometimes they, they answer, what a thing, right? So someone asked him, why not? Why won't you live stream meta? Uh, messages for the edification of your church. He said, because a video sermon is not a substitute for the covenanted congregation assembling together and all the various means of God's grace in that. I think it would be a healthier, healthier to respect God's strange providence for this period of abstinence by having an abstinence of meeting together. And someone said, well, do you still believe that now that they've extended the warning for meeting up to eight weeks? And his answer was the good old yes, Chad, I do. 
Um, and then he said one more thing, which I think is important. And I actually think this is a, this is why it's a unique pastoral application compared to what you heard, what you would hear from uh, MacArthur, what you would hear from Lehman. And so they said, what, what's the theological reason you're not live streaming? He said, yes, there is one. A providential time of abstinence could have a good chastening soul benefits on us. More useful than part of a service that people may mistake for a substitute. Many benefits of the assembly could be uh, usefully mourned over, appreciated, and longed for. So that was Dever's take for, we're not, we're not even going to use this tool for ministry of live streaming. And so... Pastor Michael, what do you think of our last kind of pastor pastoral application of a, a direction someone took in this time? Yeah, so I think it's a very valid choice. Um, I mean, we use a live stream, so um, you know, I'm for obvious reasons not going to say. Yeah, right. I agree, 100. Every church should stop using a live stream, uh, but this is actually something that we discuss, and we still we are still discussing actually um, at times about like, okay, what does this do? Like, does this give people the feeling that yeah, it's fine if I just you know sit at home? One of the reasons that we have decided to keep using it, at least in part, um, has been specifically because this has been a great benefit for um, people that we know connected to the church that, for medical reasons literally can't get to the church. Um, right. So not even not, not dealing with coronavirus necessarily, but uh, for other reasons uh, may not be able to come to the physical gathering. This has been a way that we can stay connected with them. Um, that has been actually a tremendous blessing for them. And so, uh, so we've continued in part because of that. Um, and yet we did, I mean, this is something we discussed and this is something we discussed, um, you know, early on, I remember uh, talking about it in terms of, we started to do a zoom Anybody in the church that wanted to join could come on the Zoom and we would do basically a little sermon. Um, sometimes we would, you know, and we'd have like a bit of a prayer and things like that. Um, and uh, it wasn't quite like a full liturgy that we would try to do, but uh, we would. So it wasn't really live stream in a service. It was, you know, we are, we're doing something over Zoom. I don't know what you would call it exactly, but, uh, but we're doing uh, some kind of, of time together on a Sunday morning on this, you know, platform. And uh, one of the things that we discussed at one point is, should we attempt to do some kind of music for this? And uh, one of the things that we discussed was, is it actually like, yeah, is that right for us to do? Hmm. Um, knowing that like this isn't like, should we be trying to make this everything like the regular service? Or should this be distinctly different because it's not the same? And we know it's not the same. And we're not trying to, you know, make it... Uh, like a comfortable alternative. We're just trying to do something to stay connected and to keep in God's word and to keep connected as a church while we're unable to do it in the way that we're supposed to. And so it's, a, I, I think it's actually a valid application. It's a valid reason to do it. Um, I don't, I don't know how, you know, I'm not going to, I don't know. I'm not going to double, you know, uh, guess them. I'm sure they were doing other things to try to, you know, connect with the congregation and everything. And so God bless should, them. You know, yeah. I, I hope that went well. I should mention that they did further in their letter say that we do believe it's a sin not to meet for those who right, especially who's this a conscience might this this might offend we're going to keep small groups going as long as your elder your leader is wanting to keep you know yeah. believes that it's okay for, yeah right? so, so being able to continue that you know, like something like that that's great and so the way right. that we did that was really through exactly. you know the, the live stream to some capacity but um and and other you know uh, small group type things but um, but yeah, I think that that is, that is, uh, like a valid reason to at least think about how this is not the same. 
right. you know, like this is not, uh, this is not, in other words, this is not a replacement. Yes. And, and so this has been us just digging into the messy blessings of actually having to consider real situations and not just announce on your podcast, virtual church is not a church, but you know, we stand with Jonathan Lehman and nine marks. Uh, so we're in good company, but maybe the thing I, as I've thought about this is obviously for our, our, most of our listeners aren't elders like you, they're not pastors, right? They're not making these decisions, right? Yeah. And so when I think about my personal application, other than the ones we've already said, long for the church, pray for the church, obey your elders. My thought is what do they, what do those people maybe need to think through as we go forward? I would say it's the, it's the simple rule your mom told you when you were a kid about going to church. If you're too sick to go to church, you're too sick to do anything else, right? That I think a way to know if we are truly being providentially hindered from going to church, if this is a, this, again, this is a rule of thumb. This is, I'm right. This is a, this is a wisdom principle. This isn't a, this isn't a law. This is the restless workshop, Pastor Michael. So before you give me that furrowed brow, of, restless wisdom. Here we uh, go. Re- this is some restless wisdom. If it's something my mom would say, I, I already agree with it. Right? That's right. And, and she, right. If I was too sick to go to church, I couldn't do other things. And I actually think that uh, probably many of us very early on in the pandemic probably responded this way. You probably, if you weren't going to church, that meant you were like, well, I got to, I got to limit all these other things. When this became a strange scenario is when many things were going back to normal and many churches still weren't. Now that wasn't the case of Christ's covenant. That probably wasn't the case of maybe any of these men's church. It doesn't appear to be the ch- a case of Mark Dever's church, um, uh, John MacArthur's church, you know, maybe not even Lehman's, right? So, so I'm not, again, I'm not accusing any of them, but, but right. If, if what we're saying is, well, why can't I go to church? What is the reason for our churches not being able to meet? If that is kind of a, if that's going to prevent you from doing basically most other things you would normally do and want to do, I would say for you in your circumstance, you're probably truly hindered by God and need to, like Dever said, pray to God for this to be relieved. And that, that this is a strange thing God has brought into you. And that as Michael has pointed out so well, your church is going to respond differently based on the leaders you have based on the community you're in. And that's kind of what we've been looking at. And so that, that just is for me, that's just shout out to my mom, you know, doing it, doing good parenting, giving me a good rule of thumb to live by and share with our podcast. All right, you ready? Hello, thank you for listening to my dad's podcast. Do you know what it's called? No? No. Do you, do you want to know what it's called? Yeah. Restless. 